there's so many people who have helped make this a reality. And I think what's so inspiring about getting to be a part of this community is that in the face of such challenges, there are just tremendous people who are doing everything they can to make a difference in people's lives and communities' lives that so need it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Connecting ALS. I am Jeremy Holden, joined as always by my co-host, Jessica Chapman. Jessica, good as always to see you. I know I say that every week, but it's always nice to see you and have our chats. I always enjoy it, Jeremy. It's always good to see you and just be in your presence. Ah, that's so kind of you to say, but really exciting this week because we are going to talk about some, some very big news in the ALS research space. We've had an opportunity throughout the year and it going back into 2020 to talk about the updates on Amelix's development of AMX35. Uh, listeners are at this point quite aware of the fights that have been going on to try and get the FDA to make AMX35 available to patients as soon as possible. And this week, Jessica, we learned that Amelix was going forward and was going to petition the FDA for a new drug application. We did, and this is so incredibly exciting. I know that we, oftentimes when we come together, we talk about a lot of really exciting, hopeful things in the ALS space, but I have to say that this week's episode is just sending me over the moon, if you will. So yeah, we had a chance actually to speak with uh, co-founders and co-CEOs, Josh Cohen and Justin Glee. And then of course, we were joined by two wonderful individuals who work with Amelix. That's Tammy Sarnelli, who's their global head of regulatory affairs, and Michelle Manuel, PhD, who's their vice president, head of global medical affairs. So just excellent individuals that we had a chance to talk with about this very exciting news coming down the pike. Yeah, and you know, a lot of work ahead in the quest to get AMX35 approved and available to patients. Uh, and we heard from Josh, from Justin, from Michelle, and from Tammy about the, the work that has gone on so far, just some grueling work, some behind the scenes work, and really an opportunity to see how far we've come and see what the path forward is. So with that, let's get out of the way and hear directly from the team at Amelix. Uh, well, Josh and Justin, thanks so much for your time this week. Uh, really looking forward to having a conversation. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. Yeah, it's great news. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a great time to be having this conversation and always uh, looking forward to continuing the discussion around AMX 35. But can you tell us the latest, where things stand? It's been a big week. Um, walk us through what's happening. Yeah, sure. So uh, we announced this week that we will be submitting uh, for approval, submitting an NDA. Uh, to the US FDA. That's the you know submission that you have to make um, you know to potentially get a drug approved. And you know we're we're very thrilled about this. It comes out you know on the basis of the data that we generated from the Centaur trial, which included showing a, a longer retention of function um, and longer um, survival in patients who are randomized to active as compared to placebo with with a good you know in our view um, a, a, a benign safety profile as well with there were more adverse events in the kind of gastrointestinal side of the world um, and the active arm as compared to the placebo, but generally the drug was quite well tolerated. So we're 
we're really thrilled about this. Um, hopefully it's the, the next step in us, you know, potentially bringing this drug forward to, to people with ALS. Fantastic. Um, you know, in addition to the U.S., you know, some big news out of Canada uh, back in late August, and then, of course, the EU back in the spring. Can you tell us what's the latest in developments in both of those respective areas? Sure, we'd be happy to. So this is Justin, and uh, yeah, we we uh, we're we're moving uh, full steam ahead in uh, both uh, both areas. We've submitted for approval in Canada, and it's uh, recently announced it's uh, been filed and under review. And uh, we're working through the process and procedure in Europe right now. And uh, we actually have our global head of regulatory, uh, Tammy Sarnelli, with us as well who uh, can, can share the details on, on all those things. But so let it suffice to say that uh, Tammy and her team are working around the clock because uh, we know that people with ALS have no time to wait. Well put. Tammy, thank you so much for being here. We'd love to hear more um, details around this. All right. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, as we had announced recently, we, we have been accepted for review in Canada which is a culmination of many, many hours of putting together all of the data that we have. And we are looking forward to an active and uh, progressive discussion with Health Canada on uh, providing our products to people living with ALS. And yes, we are working around the clock. It is critically important for us to move forward and to ensure that we can have a transparent dialogue with the health authorities on our product. As I said, we are we're excited also with the US and progressing discussions with FDA. It, it's critically important for us to get into review so that we can have more dialogue with them as well. And in addition, um, we are working to also submit in Europe. So three very active marketing applications, um, and it's really a pleasure to, to move forward with that. Yeah, I want to jump off what you just said, Tammy, and move forward. In, in, in the process moving forward, where does it go from here? How much closer are we towards getting access to patients, folks living at home? How much closer are they to being able to have conversations with their doctors about what AMX35 means to them? That, that's a difficult question because the review process right, is, is um, complex. Right? There are a lot of elements of our product that will need to be reviewed in addition to the clinical data. And we will be addressing requests for information and discussions with them along the way. Each region has a different uh, review process. And so we will actively work in that and we will quickly respond to questions and really support the review throughout that. So while it's not clear on the exact timing. We're doing everything we can to progress the review. And that will mean we respond to requests, questions, and have discussions with them as they begin to look at our marketing applications. Jeremy, I I would add that, of course, there's the absolute best way that we can ensure access for uh, people uh, with ALS is to move towards uh, commercialization. But in the meantime, we're going to keep doing everything we can uh, as soon as we can. And with that, our head of global medical affairs, Michelle Manuel, is with us as well. So if we want to talk about our more of our plans on the uh, clinical side and uh, thinking uh, towards uh, early or expanded access, uh, we'd, we'd certainly be happy to uh, share our thoughts and plans there too. Is Again, we know that's really critical for the community. 
Yeah, that sounds great, Michelle. Uh, loop us in. What's going on? So there's a couple of things going on. First, clinically, it's really important to talk about the Phase Three Phoenix study that is a large international trial that's being conducted to continue our assessment of the clinical benefit of MX35 in people living with ALS. It's a study that's being conducted both in Europe and in the United States. And the uh, first patients are, should be dosed in September. And then, um, so in the US and in Europe, there are many sites that are available for patients to contact working with their own neurologist or contacting the list that is on clinicaltrials.gov. They can go on and find a site near them and contact the site to find out if they're eligible for the Phoenix study. So that is another way to have access to MX35. We also, as Justin alluded, we talk nearly every day about opportunities to get access for patients living with ALS to MX35, whether that is through a clinical trial that can lead to regulatory approval, or before that happens, while we are looking at reviews by regulatory bodies, thinking about things like expanded access. In the United States, that is the specific pathway. It's called the, an expanded access program. And it gives access to an investigational drug to patients living with the disease prior to the approval by the regulatory body. It's typically started around the time of filing. So we have announced, um, along with the announcement that we are hoping and planning to file in the coming months with the FDA, we also are exploring the um, setup of an expanded access program in the United States. It takes as long to set up an expanded access program as it does to set up a clinical trial. So I, I, I like the analogy that some people use. It's like building a house. You have to start with the foundation and then the floor and then the walls and then and so on and so on. It is stepwise and it doesn't go fast, unfortunately, and there are always setbacks, but we are pushing every day to get this um, expanded access program set up. And we plan to announce by the end of 2021 details about that plan and how patients living with ALS might access that. Fantastic. Um, and we'll definitely make sure to put the clinicaltrials.gov in the show notes and look forward to hearing more information around the Phoenix trial. Yeah, I really liked your analogy there about building the house. You know, infrastructure is so critical whenever you're doing anything of note, especially when it comes to drug development. And part of building out infrastructure, I know, takes a lot of community, um, a lot of advocates. Can you speak to how the ALS community was able to help advance the development of AMX35, how they played a role in this and, and other key players from the ALS space? Yeah, certainly. So first, I think as we designed Centaur and as we've designed Phoenix, um, we you know, constantly wanted to get advice, feedback, input from the patient community. Um, you know, they're why we do what we do every day and, you know, why we get out of bed. And so, you know, uh, for, for Phoenix, we have a, a patient council who's advised on kind of all aspects of the, of the protocol and, you know, how we're running the study. Um, we're also working with that uh, council as we think through the questions Michelle was discussing on expanded access. And um, for Centaur, you know, uh, you know, some years back at this point, um, we had a number of patients who advised as well on, um, you know, on kind of the design and execution of that trial. I think the patient community in the last couple of years also has really been instrumental um, in working with, you know, different health authorities as well as, uh, you know, government groups just to get their, their opinion heard about, you know, what, what type of risks they're willing to take, 
you know, how the disease is, you know, for people and how it affects people and families. And I think that does make an impact. Um, so I think the, um, you know, everything that the, the patient community and advocacy has done, you know, is, is instrumental in moving the ball forward. And maybe one other anecdote I'd add is, you know, I think back to about, you know, eight or nine years ago when Justin and I attended our first ALS conference. And at that time, you know, ALS was very much a disease that, you know, people were certainly working on it, but it was, it was nothing like today. There were very few companies. Um, there was very little funding. You know, it, it just felt, you know, tremendously less hopeful than it does today. And, you know, today there are, you know, so, so, so many companies, so, so many groups, and, and the funding is kind of increasing every year. And I think that all, you know, is also thanks to, to advocacy and people getting the word out about what we need to do, um, you know, to fight this disease. You touched on this a little bit, but, and, you know, we were speaking a few moments ago about the path forward and the road ahead and, and, and the work that, that will be ongoing in, in the coming months. Um, but I, I did want to reflect back on the, you know, from the dorm room to the FDA, to, you know, clinical trials to Phoenix and just the path here so far and just, you know, reflect on the work that went into getting where we are. Uh, well, thank you, Jeremy. It's been an amazing journey. Uh, I think what has been the really most amazing part for us, though, is just how many people have helped along the way. It wasn't that long ago that this was a pretty crazy idea from two pretty inexperienced people. And uh, the fact that so many people, whether it was doctors like Dr. Meritzakovich, Dr. Sabrina Paganoni, Dr. Bob Brown, and so many others, or people living with ALS, uh, including some who are not with us anymore, nurses, therapists, advocates. There's so many people who have helped make this a reality. And I think what's so inspiring about getting to be a part of this community is that in the face of such challenges, there are just tremendous people who are doing everything they can to make a difference in people's lives and communities' lives that so need it. So it's just been an amazing journey, but we really think this is just the start and we hope it's the first of many, many uh, new treatments that we and others can help bring forward and really start to change the, the whole face of the disease. Yeah, and, and I just add to, I think I also, you know, it's been quite, you know, incredible also to, to get to work with some of the, the folks also that have, have joined on the Amalix team and we're we're really thankful also about this this group we've brought you know together putting together things like marketing applications are often tens or even hundreds of thousands of pages and it's you know it's weekends it's nights it's shaving days it's shaving hours and just the you know getting getting to work with a you know a number of people who are all committed towards one mission towards one goal has just been incredible Thank you, Josh and Justin. That speaks to me. I cannot agree more in a sense of um I have never met a more bonded, stronger community than the ALS community and people who are working on ALS. So um, that, 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 that speaks to me. You know, um, before we let you go, we'd love to just, you know, open up the floor and, you know, welcome Justin, Josh, of course, Michelle, Tammy, anything that you would like to share that maybe we haven't touched on so far? Yeah, probably to add, you know, one, one comment, you know, you touched on that, you know, Amalek started from a, from a dorm room. You know, one of the things we've said from time to time is that if we were a tech company, we would have been hopelessly old. And if we were in a, you know, for a biotech company, we were hopelessly young. 
And, um, you know, early on, it took a lot for Amlex to get off the ground. Um, you know, most people were not too eager to invest the time and frankly, many millions of dollars it takes to, to develop a drug in two kids who were, who were just out of college. And I think one of the things that we often reflect on that was really instrumental for us was, you know, a few years into our development, you know, we got a grant that helped fund the Centaur trial um, from the ALS Association and ALS Finding a Cure. And, you know, I think it's, it's almost hard to state how, you know, how critical that was at a juncture where, you know, I don't know, people weren't uh, maybe so willing to write big checks or support, you know, what we were trying to do and what we were trying to accomplish. So thank you all, you know, so much, as well as, you know, we hope, we hope through that and through the faith that the community and people have put in us that we can pay that forward. And, you know, hopefully AMX 35 is just the start and that we, you know, keep fighting until one day we get to a cure for this disease. Amen. Tammy, Michelle, anything that you would like to touch on before we let you guys go? I I think one thing, and Josh and Justin have touched on this, putting together a marketing application for a product really is a labor of, of love. There's a lot that goes into it. In this industry, you know, not all products make it to that, but we are doing it with a, a small team that's very committed to making this work. And while a young company, um, it's a committed organization and putting these things together is really a reflection of, of years of, of very hard work and commitment. And that, with that, I think I am very excited to be here and I'm very happy to uh, play a part in the journey that, that we're on. Yeah, I think it's an important point. I, you know, often say that, you know, no one likes to see the sausage get made, but it is important to reflect on these moments about some of the behind the scenes work that goes into it that is is time consuming and grueling and draining and and necessary and and part of the process. So hugely important point to include. Any other thoughts? I don't want to take any more of your time, but I also don't want to, you know, cut anybody off. Yeah, I have one, I have one more thought yeah. and it relates to um Thinking about the ALS clock, so we we learned that uh, from one very special lady who suffers from ALS that you know we have the privilege of working on the regular human clock, but people living with ALS don't. They're on the ALS clock, and and we know how frustrating it can be when it seems to take so long to design a clinical trial and get it going, or to you know file uh, with a regulatory agency. You know, as Tammy said, these things are, it's grueling. It's hours and hours and hours of work. And, and we just really appreciate the patience and, and the grace that the, the patient community has shown. And, you know, we're working every day to, to beat that clock and to try to uh, accelerate how we bring our product forward to, to try to help people living with ALS. And going back to the analogy kind of a building the house, you know, as a contractor, you don't build the house by yourself you have lots and lots of input and you also have inspections at the end. And so we've gotten lots of input from patient groups, from physicians who are dedicated and and clinical researchers who are working every day to try to also help find cures for ALS and treatments for ALS. And so we we gain expertise from both of them, the KOLs who are working in it, but also patients. And the ALS patient community is so well-educated. They know the clinical trials, they know the designs, and they're advocating for what they know is best for people living with ALS. On the flip side of that, the regulatory agencies 
are doing what they consider their job, which is you know safety and efficacy. And so they're kind of like inspectors who inspect our trial and say, yeah, that'll pass. No, that won't pass. So we're in a position where we balance the, both of those, the patient-centric components, plus knowing what we have to do to pass the inspection to get approved. And so if we, we design trials, hopefully to get approval, but also as much as we can to be patient-centric. And so I think of the patient's and the KOLs kind of as architects and designers who come in and help us with the house. And then we take it to the inspector to say, will this pass? And then um, if, we're, if we're all fortunate, then you build the house and then the drug gets approved. Um, and it's similar with the expanded access program that we're building as well. So we're, we're very grateful for the uh, collaboration with patients, with the uh, clinical researchers who work hard every day for people living with ALS as well. And it's, it's just a privilege to be working in, the, in in this disease space. Michelle, thank you. Um, a, a privilege is right, a, a bittersweet privilege, of course. We're certainly all trying to essentially work our way out of this disease space. So cannot agree more about remaining patient-centric and how critical that is. So thank you again, Josh, Justin, Tammy, and Michelle. It has been a privilege to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Josh, Justin, Tammy, Michelle, thank you so much for your time. This, again, was just an excellent conversation that we got to have with these very impressive individuals who, Jeremy, as you noted in the beginning, have done a lot of work, a lot of grueling work, uh, but this is something they have truly fostered and are now getting ready to bring over the line. So a lot of exciting developments around the Phoenix trial, of course, this NDA being submitted. So. Again, we thank you so much for taking the time, and we are so grateful that you were able to share this with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jessica, in the fight to make ALS a livable disease and ultimately find a cure, getting treatments approved and made available is critical to that work. So big news, exciting news, Uh, looking forward to staying engaged in the path forward and looking forward to seeing where AMX35 goes from here. That is going to do it for this week's episode of Connecting ALS. Connecting ALS is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, find time to rate and review us. It is a great way for us to find new listeners to connect with. Our production partner for Connecting ALS is Citizen Race Car. Post-production by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Supervised by David Hoffman. Thanks for tuning in. We will connect with you again soon.